0: Hello, and welcome to episode one of the Derbyshire Wildlife Trust podcast with me, Ian Pringle. In this podcast, I will be reading to you two articles from the Derbyshire Wildlife Trust magazine. If you're a member of the Derbyshire Wildlife Trust, you will have already received this. If you're not, then here's a little taster of some of the things that you might find in the magazine. But before we get into the article, Just have a listen to this. So you may have guessed, the first article I'm going to read to you is about the kestrel from Derbyshire Wildlife Trust's Winter Magazine and written by George Bird, Kestrel Falco Tenunculus Masters of Stationary Flight Your Roadside Companions by George Bird. If you take a long car journey along the main roads of Derbyshire, keep your eyes peeled for kestrels. From novice nature lovers to more seasoned naturalists and even those who pretend to not be interested, Kestrels are an impressive sight. With their pointed wings and long tail, their silhouette when flying is an exciting spectacle, but not nearly as impressive as watching these masters of stationary flight hover hunting. Because of this distinctive hunting technique, kestrels were one of the first birds of prey that I learned to recognize, and is one that has stuck with me ever since. Even now, no matter how often I see them, I can't help but shout out, Kestrel! Whenever I am fortunate enough to spot one. They have impressive upper plumage of reddish-brown feathers with black spots and the males have striking grey heads. Boles are their primary prey, making up the majority of their diet, but shrews and wood mice, small birds, insects and earthworms are also on the menu. With their incredible sight, they can locate prey at remarkable distances. Being able to spot and catch a beetle 50 metres from its perch. Local habitat influences the makeup of a kestrel's diet. In urban areas, small birds will more frequently be the prey due to the lower availability of small mammals. Living in the countryside and surrounded by farmland, spotting kestrels perching on telephone posts, telephone wires, and branches of magnificent veteran oaks is a regular occurrence, particularly in the winter months. Along with hover hunting, perching is one of the two ways in which kestrels spot their prey and is much more energy efficient. The different hunting methods are varied to suit prey type and weather conditions. Depending on the amount of hover hunting they do and the time of year, kestrels need to eat four to eight voles a day. Kestrels can be found across Derbyshire and indeed the majority of the UK, in a wide variety of habitats, from moorland and heathland to farmland and urban areas. They are adaptable in what they will use as a nest site. Instead of building their own nest, they will utilise old disused nests of crows and other stick nesters, and use ledges on cliffs and buildings. They will also readily accept nest boxes. Visit Woodside Farm and you'll spot one at the end of the barn, which our resident kestrels love. Look out for special events held at the farm for the chance to view the nest on the live camera in the warmer months. So having listened to an article about a very specific species of animal in Derbyshire, uh, let's look at a habitat now. This is a wonderful habitat and one I certainly didn't know much about until I read this article. It's the Erewash Valley and in particular, this article explores the river Erewash. Wild Rivers The Erewash Valley isn't all about wildflower meadows. Wetlands and rivers make an important appearance too. The River Erewash and the surrounding floodplains, wetlands and marshes form a rich tapestry for wildlife that is of value to not only Derbyshire but also Nottinghamshire. For a large proportion of its length, the river forms the boundary between the two counties with important wildlife sites in both whether that be Arrowwash Meadows in Derbyshire or Nottinghamshire's Attenborough Nature Reserve. It has a small urban catchment arising in Kirby and Ashfield. From there, the Erewash flows southward, snaking along farmland and through a series of towns including Ilkeston, Stapleford, and Long Eaton. It is culverted through many of the towns and hidden from view. This is both detrimental for wildlife and a loss to local residents. It eventually flows into Attenborough Nature Reserve and pools and lakes. These lakes then feed into the grandeur of the River Trent and on to the Humber estuary. The name Erewash is thought to derive from the Old English term meaning a wandering marshy river, a reference to its rich floodplains and meandering, flashy nature. The River Erewash has had a difficult past and has been subjected to every pressure man can throw at it – industry, urbanisation, rural and urban pollution. The most overwhelming pressure on the river currently is that of nutrient enrichment, of phosphate in particular. Phosphates occur naturally in the environment but can be found in fertilisers, manure, sewage waste, detergents and industrial effluent. While this nutrient is essential for plant life, too much of it can cause environmental damage, encouraging large amounts of algal and plant growth, which stops light penetrating to the bottom of watercourses, leading to a lack of oxygen in the water. The majority of this phosphate in the Erewash comes from waste water. There are a number of sewer treatment works along its length, And while some are equipped with facilities to strip out excess phosphate from the water, large amounts are still entering the watercourse. The Erewash is a great example of a recovering landscape. Once peppered with mines and industry, the land and watercourse are steadily improving in quality and wildlife is returning. Like many waterways, its banks form a valuable blue corridor for wildlife, linking patches of nationally important habitat, allowing animals to migrate between them. Maintaining these wildlife highways is extremely important to allow unhindered access to breeding, foraging, and resting sites for many of our protected species, such as otters. The river also contains a pondweed, known as grass-rack pondweed, that is extremely rare in the county. Water voles are thriving along the river too, especially around Erewash Meadows, They have suffered a drastic decline across the UK, so this is significant. The Erewash supports many invertebrate species, previously reduced in number due to the presence of heavy metals in the mine water entering the river. They form the cornerstone for a healthy river system, and it's wonderful to see the large number of dragonflies, damselflies and mayflies darting or floating through the air on a summer's evening. Many organisations are working together to restore lost links along the river and help return it to its former wandering marshy glory. These efforts are starting to reap their rewards, but there is still so much to do and we'll all keep pushing to make sure that happens. I hope you enjoyed listening to that article and I hope in some way it transported you to the watery banks of the River Erewash. Um, but I guess the best thing to do is to go down there and see it for yourself and learn about all the wonderful wildlife around. If you would like to find out more about your local wildlife and news, or perhaps you'd like to join the Derbyshire Wildlife Trust yourself so you can receive the complete magazine, visit derbyshirewildlifetrust.org.uk. So thank you for listening to the Derbyshire Wildlife Trust podcast, brought to you by Derbyshire Wildlife Trust and read by me, Ian Pringle. Goodbye.